0: look america i implore you learn two things anybody that screams and yells into a microphone about something they hate is that thing and is a self-loathing is confessing that thing to the world like people who scream i hate gay people are gay people who don't know how to be gay and people who scream you shouldn't have sex outside of marriage and fornicate with strangers are doing that thing that's why they're screaming about it because they are ravaged with, with internal guilt.
2: Excuse me, are you saying that you're Don Henley? That, this is a weird way to reveal
0: it, but yes, I am actually the lead <laughs> singer of the illegals. I do, no, it, fried. I do it under Ken my porn surname.
2: <laughs> 50 years of music with 50 year old white guys. How are you on this fine Wednesday evening? Hanging in. Hanging in in month 19 of the COVID times. Something like is. that. Is that something like that. Is that right? Ben in Knoxville. Jeff in Berkeley. I got to kick right into something because I, I left something unattended with our last podcast, 1986. Usually we go right into the Grammy but we have to actually backtrack. Our guest last week distracted me. Ricky Valero jumping on our podcast here. Uh, 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Part of the Drive-In Podcast Network. And Ricky was there. And, and I didn't get to talk about the most important moment of 1986. For me and for thousands upon thousands of others. <laughs> Do you know what it is? I can guess. Go ahead. I was a sophomore in high school, and my brother came to get me at school, and I'm like, what are you doing here? He worked for Nesson, the Red Sox broadcast network, and he said, I have an extra ticket to the World Series. The game We're six. going to New York. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so great. My big brother and I drove down to New York, down to Shea Stadium, and we went to game six of the world series and my brother emphasized the whole car ride like this is going to be so huge because the red sox haven't won a world series since 1918 um i don't know if you guys know how that game turned out in 1986 you've heard about it
0: uh, i remember i watched every pitch
1: dude uh, you were at that game i he was, was at game six at he,
0: i've seen the game ticket stub. i've seen the game six ticket stub in his wallet
1: and, that's uh, a crazy story
2: Ben, you're going to love this. You, we were up in those.
1: No, I was hoping you were going to choose the Aaron Boone home run. I mean, oh, I'm not stop, a Mets fan.
2: Stop, stop. Okay, yeah. Um, up in those left field uh, bleachers at Shea Stadium where the, the Red Sox bullpen is below us. Oh, yeah. And I had to, like, run down the stairs and look over to, to see that they are bringing in Bob Stanley. And I was like, oh, no. Uh, but the thing I remember most is the woman behind me, after the ball goes through Buckner's legs, grabbing my shoulders and saying, now that's how a real baseball team plays.
1: So this is good because I have a separate answer for in-person versus watching. But you actually physically were in-person for the I worst sports I was in-person
2: for my well, worst One thing that must have
1: been moment. really hard for you is I've sat in the equivalent seats. I think I've sat in those seats at Shea. Like my brother and my dad and I will go to Shea and get Indian food and then sit yeah. up in the crappiest seats we yeah, can yeah, get yeah. and eat Indian food just be like, we hate the mess. So <laughs> you can't tell what the hell's going on in those seats. No. Like you can no. sort of tell, like when the person swings, you're like, oh, they're swinging and then there's a ball, but you probably couldn't tell that it went through Buckner's legs. I could tell that it was a slow roller
2: and right? then I just saw everyone's reaction. And it was like, it was one of disbelief because you couldn't see the ball go through his legs, but it's like, Wait, he, he Surely he was right there. Surely that's he cabbled that. Why was it not an out? Oh my gosh. It was really, really That's a brutal. really long drive home too. Oh well that's that's I meant to have uh have this song queued up for you all, but that's the first time I heard Bruce Hornsby And that's just the way it is. As we drove home in the rain in New York traffic. And I'm just like, please stop this song. Let me out of this car. Uh, Jeff Simon's worst sports moment. Oh, you should do Ben first.
1: Ben first. I got uh, one that I watched on TV. And Jeff can name that. That's an easy one.
0: I was with you, I think. Is that right? Might have been. What is it? That's Ewing, when the Ewing's layup goes in and out and the Knicks. Uh... Oh, no,
1: that's not the worst, dude. The oh, okay. Charles
0: Smith game is the worst by a mile. Oh, I wasn't with you for the Charles, the Smith, Charles game.
1: Smith game. The Charles Smith oh. game is the worst by a mile. Um, so the Knicks are two all against the Bulls. And this is the Michael Jordan Bulls. Oh, yeah, They've worked yeah. all season to have the number one seed. So yep. they've won both of their games at home, and the Bulls won both of their games at home. And the, and Game Two is is probably my all time favorite moment of being a sports fan was the John Starks, Starks dunk, the, the Starks, 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 Starks dunk, baseline dunk. Race. Race dunk. It, oh, so that I did watch with you, yep. and such an amazing feeling for me. Anyhow, yeah. so Game Five, we <laughs> return to the Garden. All we have to do is win at the Garden. We've got home court, and Charles Smith misses. You know, oh. 85 layups in a row all of them blocked by Jordan and Pippen some of them with fouls but you know what can you say and um I've never been the same that broke yeah. my heart uh and that basically you can imagine the Knicks are my favorite team I've, oh, I've like my, my favorite game to play is basketball is my favorite sport to watch and so it yeah. hasn't worked out for me at all <laughs> it's really did, rough did you have fun with the Linsanity run Sure, but that was like two months. That, and also, dude, like part of it start, it broke my heart with the Charles Smith game, but I'm at the position now where I like have an arm's length relationship with my favorite team where I'm like, well, if they're both, yeah. then that would be nice. But they can't hurt me anymore. I won't let them hurt me okay.
2: anymore. Should, should we have a, a podcast just with James Dolan's blues bands? <laughs> I'm Sick. sure
1: he's available. That would be super good. All right, Jeff, what do you got?
0: So here's the thing, like, I'm just not, I, I've become such a sports, like, okay, and part of there's two things happen. Like, I, we're all underdog rooters. Like, listen to these teams we root for, right? And uh, I, I have come at sports my whole life with the assumption that the team I root for will lose. I just, I don't know how, where I learned that, but like, Red I'm Sox a Minnesota Vikings fan. I'm a, I was a Cubs fan and then I became Ugh. a you know I was a warriors fan for a long long time right like i just might a giants fan like the teams i root for don't win and so i never the biggest heartbreak was david robinson's navy team lost to duke in the elite 8 that game that was well, brutal i had go, i had gone to every navy home game that year i i drove to williamsburg to watch the caa conference tournament which they won and then like then we won and, and that team was, was underrated and great, and they blitzkrieged everybody, and then they lost to Shashevsky's Duke team. That was the team with Billis, Johnny Dawkins, um, Danny Mahar, Tommy Amaker. Wow. And that team ended up losing to Purvis Ellison in the, in the finals. But if it hadn't been for Duke as the one seed, Navy would have made the final four and may have actually made a run at the title. That one killed That them. would have been cool. And then that Navy go, yeah, go that dude, far. Kind of count like,
1: team which has no business. That would have been awesome. Level. That was great. Cause I mean, like I, many Duke teams too. That was a super douchey team. That was a, yeah. that's a disaster to <laughs> lose them. And I remember that game vividly. That Navy team was amazing. You must've loved rooting for them. Oh. They were literally like one world class athlete. You were like when when Robinson was yeah. on the court, you were like right. wow, he would be one of the fifteen best players in the NBA. Yeah. And then nothing but six one white guys <laughs> who couldn't do yeah. anything.
2: All right, everyone. So I apologize for the awkward transition. We had to cut some stuff because Jeff Simons just walked us through Navy's lineup. What year was that, Jeff?
0: nineteen eighty six yeah. look i what am that's i here gone. for if Don't not that cut kind that, of shit? that's
1: gold that i was is gonna gone. say
0: i'm a, that's my value add i'm not the funny one or the pretty one i'm the like arcane <laughs> fat guy you can't cut that i
2: will give you the names and the heights of navy's 86 basketball team woo Ooh. all you, right
0: that's how you know i I'm, I'm real
2: well now i feel that we've put 1986 to bed properly uh, that was our, our cynicism question, no doubt. Now, gentlemen, 1987, we are juniors in high school, are we not? I'm a senior. You're a I'm senior? I'm graduating. Oh, yeah. Big man on campus. Well, I can't wait to well, hear uh, the songs you pick. Uh, five give foot us three, big man on five, Well, it's, it's a state of mind. Uh, go ahead. Let's go to the Grammy winner. Who won the Grammy for the year 1987? It's the Grammy winner.
0: Somewhere Out There by Linda Ronstadt and James Ingram.
1: What, is, this, is this the same song as last year and the year before? It, it this is This is the We this Are the new. World intro. Nope,
0: it's new. I can't believe this is it. I
2: mean, what a lead-in. Somewhere
1: out there.
0: I'm stopping there. Wait, you what song imagine? is that? I don't even <laughs> recognize that song. What is I it? Mean, I mean, I recognize uh, the tune, but not the... It's Linda Ronstadt featuring James Ingram.
1: What's the Somewhere, name of that song?
0: Somewhere Out There. Yeah, Somewhere
1: it, Out There is the name of that song.
2: It's from an American tale, the little mouse Fievel oh, comes to America. Okay. And he's separated from his mother, I think, or something. And and but they're looking at the same moon, even though they are separated. And that won the Grammy.
1: At least they <laughs> caught Linda Ronstadt at the high point. They really caught her I where mean, she was happening. She
2: she was such a force in the seventies and gets nothing. And here in the late eighties, wow, that is a Grammy winner. Is that is that our worst Grammy
1: winner? Oh, in terms oh, of most incongruous, no. I mean, that's- No, 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 no. a Yellow Ribbon was like, the, that's the worst. <laughs> I guess so. That's This one, film. at least, so seriously, like I'm actually going to make this argument. Are you ready? First of all, that, yeah. I'm not here to argue for the Linda Ronstadt song. <laughs> but at least you can recognize that by the decade. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's like, true. You hear that that's song true. and you're like, oh, that's a terrible song. It sounds like the 80s to me. At least it's in the yeah. neighborhood. Like there were some in the set, like "Tie Yellow Ribbon" was like that. that yeah, first "Tie Yellow Ribbon"
0: sounded like it came from the '30s. Like it, right? did, like a ball Seriously? trombone <laughs> in the middle of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it you're really right. Did. But
0: that's okay. that's just. And this year, that's an unforgivable Grammy winner. Yeah, I mean, it's come bad. on, come on. I is it? It is possible. I loved music. I loved music more than any point. In my life in 1987, which means I love music more than anything that had ever existed up to that point in 1987. <laughs> that's the Grammy winner.
1: Yeah, oh, you, we you, should do this in a different podcast. You think this is the peak of when you most love music, Jeff? Uh that's a possibly. big statement. It's
0: in this the, is definitely not for
1: me. I, mean, I actually struggled really hard with picking 87, but if that's I have several things that I like, but I, I don't feel that way about 87 at all.
0: Well, I don't mean oh. the music itself. I mean that music mattered more to me in 1987 in terms of who I was and who I thought I would be.
2: And you're gobbling up music wherever yeah, you can get but like
0: it. Yeah, my, my, my desire to hear and appreciate and have hard opinions about music might have been in its most feverish in 87. Not my well, favorite year of music, but like a year when like, it mattered so much to me what I was listening to.
2: And, and, and you would probably develop a hard opinion about somewhere out there. Yeah, it probably <laughs> oh. took about that long. Wow. Um, I, I right.
0: think I only know Fievel Goes West. I think I only know the sequel of The
2: American Oh, sequel. Oh, you're, you're totally missing out if you don't have the context for that sequel. How um, many? Are there
0: like 11 of those, like the Ernest movies? Is there like, you know, Five right. visits the uh, experimental lab? Yeah. Or... <laughs>
2: All right, what else is happening in 1987? The Ford Escort is a heck of a car. Uh, raise your hand if you ever owned a Ford Escort. Rented one. All right, good enough. What was the price of a Ford Escort in 1987? Ben, you go first.
1: Six grand.
2: Jeff? Uh, seven grand. You guys are both so smart. I, wouldn't, I would have nothing. Uh, it is 6000 895. Oh! Jeff, Jeff's gone over, Ben. You over.
1: won. I do win. That's <laughs> yes. right, rules. I forgot. That's great.
2: Uh, that's great. Uh, Matthias Rust, a West German teen, flew his plane into Red Square as a, as a way to open up communication between the Soviet Union and the West. What type of airplane was it? You don't remember this story no this was huge was it he f- <laughs> <laughs> was it was it
0: <laughs> i was a little too busy watching navy basketball to pay attention to matthias west
1: <laughs> i have he, no memory of this whatsoever he flew
2: he flew a cessna
1: oh i was going to say cessna because that's the only thing right, i know that's the only
2: plane i could think of he flew it into red square landed in red square people went up to him like what is happening and then the police arrested him and he was uh put away for 18 months of hard labor and he's like i was just trying to open up communication but apparently they were a little sensitive about their air defenses being exposed uh the way they were all right so that's a terrible question (laughs) um let's instead go to the number one hit are you ready jeff simons I think so. I'm
0: also
1: really surprised, but um... the Grammy winner really set us up. Like it can't possibly be that bad.
0: Oh no no no! It's much 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 better. Hold on, I'm just having trouble. There's an apostrophe that's messing up the uh, alphabetizing. Okay, ready? It'll take it'll take ten, uh, Ben 0.01
2: seconds. It's the number one hit,
0: "Living on a Prayer"
1: by Bon Jovi.
0: We're all there. Ah, Tommy. Oh, Tommy. Uh, Georgia
1: likes this song. I literally was just listening to this on one of her mixes. Yeah, you oh. know, kids love it. I, they,
0: the Branson Rock Band plays this every two or three years, and they play it without any irony, and just the crowd goes completely fall apart apeshit. And they love it. They yeah. love and it. And the kids yeah. who play it love it. Oh, love it.
1: Well, yeah. it's because it's a true story of struggling working people, Jeff. Perhaps you're not in touch with Tommy in the docks. I don't know if you know what it's like to be laid off from the docks, but Tommy does.
0: You know what's funny? Like I feel like about the lyrics of this song exactly the way I feel about the lyrics to Don't Stop Believing. Like it's uh-huh. a ridiculous story of just like metaphors put through a meat grinder, but it fits the music perfectly. So I don't even care that much. Right. Like,
1: Oh, totally. I actually feel the opposite. I love it. it and <laughs> actually don't stop believing when they go to South Detroit, I'm South like, Detroit. it's my favorite towns. One of my yeah. favorite towns.
0: <laughs> <laughs> as, as Tim always says, Whoa. like his favorite line like that is in rock and roll band when they sing dancing in the streets of Hyannis. He's like, yeah. Oh yeah, oh, totally. Yeah. Never has there been dancing in the so streets. So many,
2: so many dances. Maybe at the
0: ferry dock. Maybe when you get off the ferry.
2: <laughs> so yeah,
0: this song's song silly and stupid. I actually like it a lot more now than I did in the moment. It annoyed me to no end. It was like a terrible melange of like the worst parts of heavy metal and synthesizers and cheesy ass.
1: Oh, and Bruce Springsteen. It's a clear Springsteen ripoff in yes. the most embarrassing way. Like it's a disaster. But like- way. Thirty-five years later, I'm like, it's kind of
0: funny. Like, I like it the way I like the Safety Dance by Men Without Hats. Like, but, I, I'll, I'll, I'll allow it.
1: But what well, do you? So doing... hold on. What's your favorite Bon Jovi song? This one. Is that... Oh, I have got one outside the box. My answer is Bad, bad Medicine. medicine. I knew oh, it. Okay, I love this. Okay. Bad Medicine. <laughs> shake it up like it's a bad medicine. And I'm like, is that what you do with bad medicine? Really? Do you shake it? Because why would, would that improve the medicine? Like, are you a pharmacist? But have you ever had people
2: come up to you uh, and I've had this happen to me before and I don't know where to begin. They're like, well, I don't, I don't like Bruce that much. I I like Bon Jovi better. I don't know if I've ever had that conversation.
1: Oh, I have had that. And I just don't, I mean, you can't argue with those people. That's not not going anywhere for sure.
2: Anti-maskers. Okay. Uh, Let's see what else is happening in this grand year of 1987 um oh this is the year that uh trump traveled to uh berlin and made that incredible speech where he told mr gorbachev tear down that wall I, wasn't that trump I is think that our so. president that seems to can... be how
0: history is being written yes that he did everything i could see
2: him making such a speech um he be like tear down that be- wall and put in condos. What right. are we
0: wasting this real estate for? <laughs> what is this wall made out of? We need steel.
2: Sad. Yeah. Uh we also <laughs> had the Jim Baker scandal. Uh Jeff Simons, did you follow the Jim and yeah, Tammy so Faye that, Baker? I have
0: scandal? always been fascinated by cults and religious leaders. Like I read the Manson book Helter Skelter when I was like way too young and developed like an early fascination like that wild wild country documentary on netflix and i were just like I, I watched it twice so i find televangelists endlessly fascinating and interesting so i was right. definitely following that that as it happened yeah
2: well it, it was there any surprise last week when uh falwell had to uh, be fired no. by liberty university like no surprise no, look, at all any, look uh, uh, america
0: I implore you, learn two things. Anybody that screams and yells into a microphone about something they hate is that thing and is a self-loathing, is confessing that thing to the world. Like people who scream, I hate gay people are gay people who don't know how to be gay. And people who scream, you shouldn't have sex outside of marriage and fornicate with strangers are doing that thing. That's why they're screaming about it because they are ravaged with, with internal guilt excuse me are you saying that you're don henley that this is a weird way to reveal it but yes i am actually <laughs> the lead singer of the illegals i no, do it under, fried. I, I do he's it under my porn <laughs> wow.
2: no i'm just
0: like i'm not surprised at all like in fact i can't believe it took that long for the pool uh, right
2: boy right this. Like, like what are we what are we doing what are that should we be so what the
0: history of televangelists is called it should be called there's always a pool boy Colon, a history of
2: American televangelists. That's it. I'm in with that title. I am in. All right. Am I being I, too
1: harsh, Ben? Are you, you want to, you want to? No, you're fine. That, I mean, I, I would like, obviously, I think there's some good people in that industry, but not yeah. very many. That's fine. All
2: right. Here's your impossible question The Simpsons debuts on the Tracy Ullman show in 1987. Still going strong here in. 2020 you're allowed one episode to bring with you to your desert island which episode do you bring go
0: this is a super easy one for me i have a favorite go it's the one where homer sues the all you can eat restaurant because they kick him out and Bart falls in love with the babysitter next
1: door. That is that my- is my actual favorite too. So, but I'm not. I won't choose that because that is that's the right answer. That yeah. one's amazing. has got when Jimbo Jones. So I show that in my. I have a class called uh, Images of the Law where we talk about how law is portrayed in popular <laughs> culture, and I do this. Okay. Same. And um <laughs> we do that Simpsons one because there's that amazing lawsuit, and you have the hilarious judge and the lawyer, yeah. and you have the I can't believe it's a law firm, which yes. is just the greatest. Yeah. Um, but the B plot, where he falls in love with oh. the, the babysitter, and Jimbo Jones comes over, and That's he's my- so sad because his female b- babysitter is with the guy who bullies him, and it's really breaking Bart's heart. And Jimbo Jones just like, can I take off my shirt? It's chafing me. Yeah. And two seconds later, he's like, you won't believe it. Now my pants are chafing me. <laughs> it kills me.
0: Great throwaway jokes. I know that episode so well, that once in a long car trip, I did it for the car. Like my family, they're like, they're like, can you tell us? Like, Will was like, tell me a story. I'm like, so I just did the episode. Like all the lines, all the characters. I remembered like 98% of it. And at the end, Will was like, do another one. I'm like, I can't do another. One. <laughs> Come on, I can't do another. That one. one, that one. Yeah, every line Conan O'Brien wrote that one.
2: Yeah, that's his. Oh, I mean, it's just Joe brilliant. Conan.
0: What about you, Tim? What's yours?
2: Well, the the one where um, the principal is uh, set up with the teacher. This oh, is the principal Edna? Skinner. Yeah. yeah, with Edna. I remember. Is that like season three or something? I haven't watched it in 25 years, probably.
1: Oh, dude! Your kids haven't brought you back. Yeah, no. will loved it.
2: Oh, really? Yeah, will will when it, when
0: when FX FX or whatever the hell that channel is started running <laughs> all the Simpsons like, yeah. will turn to put them on the DVR and just burn through a whole bunch of them. He's a oh, huge. that's brilliant. Well, Georgia
1: watched that. every episode, every season through 2015. Wow! Wow! That's awesome. Yeah. She saw a bunch that I didn't see. Like, yeah, Will like, seen yeah, like sure, Will see sure. like fifty I haven't seen
0: because I lost the thread and Will and Will's like you're missing out. It's still really funny. So.
2: Oh, that's great. All right, let's go to our three songs. Our three songs. Jeff, you went first last week. Ben Barton, that means you
1: lead us off right now. All right. So this was really hard for me. Uh, 1987, Ben Barton's clearly would choose a Guns N' Roses song. That was my favorite record of that year. And 2020, Ben Barton, my actual favorite song from this year is uh, the Pogues, the Christmas time song. But I gave three options to the girls, and they chose option three. And actually, I've, I noticed I'm, I'm like skewing hip hop, and it's because like I asked the girls, and that's what they like. They keep skewing so, you. Hmm. I've, uh, this was recorded in 86. And remixed released in
0: 87. In I'm going to give you a hard time on this one. I'm just warning you in advance. It's recorded
1: in 86, remixed in 87, still ah. charts in 88. And my actual, like my special memory for it is in 88. So December 31st, 1988. Wait, uh, there's 88? A New Year's, so there's a New Year's Eve party at my friend okay. Nigel Olderman's house. And my brother and a bunch of friends from high school and a bunch of friends from college are all coming together to hang out at this party. And then we're going to go see Stevie Ray Vaughan at the Ritz wow. to set. So we are hanging out at this party. And among my friends are a college friend who brings his high school friend from Connecticut. So there's, there's like a couple of dudes I don't know in this group. So we all get drunk as hell. And we get on the subway and we're heading into Manhattan. And so I'll just call him Connecticut Guy because I do not know his name. He's so drunk guy. and so suburban that we pull into the station and you know that in the New York subways, they'll close the doors and open the doors and close the doors and open the doors. He uh-huh. thinks this is hilarious. He gets up and also he's being really noisy and obnoxious And but so far it's okay. Now he's blocking the door and being oh, like, ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. So Uh, The 80s are not the 70s in New York, but they're still medium dangerous. And I have a high radar. And also, I'm the person who's in charge of this. I have all the tickets. I'm running this group. I put us all on the subway. I don't even know this guy. There's a huge, ripped, angry weightlifting dude on the train. And as soon as Connecticut guy starts blocking the doors, he's like, get out of those doors or I'm going to fuck you up. (laughs) And this is not an idle threat at all. So I'd like jump up. I grab the guy. I sit him down and I'm to his friend. I'm like, get a grip on your buddy. Like, this is not okay. I'm not getting my ass yeah. kicked because he's too drunk. Connected <laughs> oh, guy stands up. Oh no. He's weaving. And he's like, what's the matter with you? And he turns and addresses the entire subway car. It's New Year's Eve and you should be having a good time. So I'm like, oh my God, we're all gonna die. Like, this is a disaster. <laughs> so there's this pause of this weaving guy, and then all of a sudden he goes, Salt and Pepper's here, and the place is getting hype. Salt and Pepper's here, and the place is getting hype. And then he breaks into the Salt and Pepper song, Push It, uh-huh. including the entire rap and that dude. The weightlifting guy is like, "Yo, that's salt and pepper." And the place goes nuts. we go basically we're in the tunnel now underneath the river. Like there's a medium time we're in the train. Everyone's celebrating salt and pepper. He gets to the, "Come on over here, baby cop, give me a kiss." And by the end of it, we've got a full-on conga wine going in the train. Stop. Like everyone loses Stop. their minds and they can't believe it. And that's how good Salt and Pepper Push It is. Jeff, hit me. Push It by Salt and Pepper. Oh my Pick God. Pick up on this. So Salt and Peppa form, basically The Salt and Peppa are both (laughs) nursing students at Queensborough Community College. No way. And they get together and they have the first female DJ who quits. And then they add Spinderella, who's 15 when she joins the band. Awesome. Uh, They put out their first single. Push It is the B-side to the single. Jeff, any chance you can name the A-side? No way.
0: No chance.
1: The A-side is TRAMP, and just to be clear, one of the things that's awesome about salt and pepa is they are a sex-forward, sex-positive act, along with Madonna. They're like one of the original trailblazers of this. So they've got like, let's talk about sex, Shoop, Push It, TRAMP, I Stole Your <laughs> Girlfriend. Like, they've got a dozen songs that are about how good they are at having sex, which by the way, fair enough. I assume it all to be true. Um, they, they put this out as a single. It's the B-side. It gets remixed by a DJ in San Francisco. The remix is a massive hit. And they uh, they put it on their first record. They put it on their second record. It eventually launches their career. Um, they're at the same time. So they're one of the original rap girl groups. So like JJ Fad, The Real Roxanne. And by the way, this is going to really hurt India's feelings. I didn't choose. Same year, La Trim, Cars With The Boom. Do you guys know that one? <laughs> I don't know that one. No. No, no, Dude, I, I strongly recommend with the the La boom. Trim, Cars With The Boom video. And by the way, it's one of India's favorite songs from this year. She thinks that's awesome. Anyhow, they were a novelty act. <laughs> Everyone thought that this was like a one-off. They were just going to be female rap act and nobody would notice. And that's right. actually true of the other acts that I named. Not true for them. They sold 15 million records. Their biggest hit is in 1993. Like they have a legit real career where they put out four records with multiple good songs on it. Um, They're depending on how you feel about how you want to count like TLC or other acts. They're the best selling female rap act of all time. Um, And they're just badasses. Like this song Mm -hmm. is super, super, super extra good. And it's actually funny. It's a precursor to the singing rapping thing. I mean, obviously, it's a precursor to TLC and all of the female acts that mix those things up. But it's weirdly, it's like a precursor to Drake. Like, they're actually doing things that will eventually come to be uh, super important. So, anyway, I dig it. I love it. That was my song. Awesome. I was going to give you so much shit for picking a song
0: from 1986, but it was a great story, so I'm going to let you go. But, like, you know, this is a, you guys, you know, this is a podcast where we pick songs from the year... Oh, You're no, no, dude, 87 you is the
1: year. all over the place. No, no, because the remix is the one that hits. It's not fair all to choose right. this as 86. Fair and, and dude, actually, I mean, honestly, I probably should have chosen 88. I could really charts in 88. What, uh, where's, where's Queen so Latifah? where's did Candle all this. in the
0: Wind, but you, know, you
2: don't get to pick that for 1988 either. Come on. Come on. There are rules. We, we can
1: put Candle in the Wind. Where's Queen Latifah? Is she around yet or no? No, she's not around yet. And also, yeah, she's not like, years. One of the things that's cool about them is they're, they're a group. Oh, yeah, hey, yeah. I looked this up. Are you ready? So they sold 15 million records. And I was like, well, how many girl groups? And I don't mean that like pejoratively. I just mean that's an actual term yeah. of art for groups of sure, women who sing sure, together. Sure. Um, how many girl groups have sold more on the Wikipedia worldwide sales list? Jeff Simons or Tim, I'll take it. What's the number one best selling girl group of all time? Dana Ross and the Supremes. Dixie Chicks. Oh, no, both of those are really low. The Supremes has sold roughly 20 million records. Dixie Chicks is not on the list. The Go-Go's? Definitely Go-Go's, not. Uh-huh. not on the list, meaning that they sold below 20 million records. Sure, sure. Uh- number one, so the number one, the one that you're going to know, which is actually number two, is the Spice Girls. Okay, oh, uh, yeah. They sold 85 million records. Dude, there's a that girl is- group that sold more. The Andrews sisters, oh, the yeah. Andrews sisters. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. It's that's that really number impressive. one with 90 million worldwide sales? That is impressive. That's like half
0: the earth when they were recording. That's incredible. It really that's is, That's super it's. adjusted population, that's like selling 700 million records. Well
1: dude, but a bunch uh, of that happened in the 80s. You know what I mean? My grandma yeah, and your yeah. grandma were like, Andrews sisters greatest hits is happening for me.
2: Well, and, and people would sample them. No, okay, sorry, tough tough, tough crowd. Can I
0: just say one thing? (laughs) You say that this song is forward thinking, but it's also old fashioned. Like it sounds a lot like the Run DMC stuff that you played. And I just want to point out that like in 1988, there's rap that sounds nothing like this, that is super important and pushing the genre. And if you're going to pick an 87 R&B song, shouldn't you pick one that starts to use that polyrhythmic like starts to get the bumps but that bumped the bump which dominates everything forward like tribe and like eric b and rakim's paid in full is
1: 87. oh yeah no but so dude um so first i'm not here to argue with eric b that's great that that <laughs> like that's really 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 good that being said if you go back and listen to push it and you i think you had the 12 inch so we didn't get to the rapid yeah, part of it. Dude, the rapping is actually medium interesting. They, yeah, it is pretty good. They speed up, much, they slow yeah. down, they come in, they come out. It's not like Run DMC where it's all boom, 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 boom. So they come on over here and give me a kiss, baby pop. Like She, she says that real slow, and then they're like, otherwise they're going to be pissed. Like she, she speeds it up and slows it down. There's parts sure. where she's talking, there's parts where, she's, where, where one of them singing, and they're going back and forth. Um, and that's what I mean by it being a precursor. Like It's already starting to-, to break out of that. Like J.J. Best- Fad Supersonic. Is just a straight up females doing Run DMC, whereas this is not that. Fair enough. And I my
0: favorite part of the song is the bump, bump, where they actually yeah. have, like they don't just use the one riff. They actually have a couple of different synth sounds to cue different moments. Yeah, I mean, I, I have I have danced myself silly to push it at least six times. Great? <laughs> By the way,
2: my,
0: I retract my uh,
2: my uh, concern. By the way, the the more you guys talk about hip hop, the, the more you lose me because I was listening to, to faith at the time. Um, but did you go to our Facebook page? Because there's a guy, Kevin Brown, who's on there listing all sorts of songs. And I think he, Ben Barton uh, grew up in New York as well. So oh, he's nice. got, yeah, he's got the, uh, the pulse of the, the hip hop thing going on. All right. But that's neither here nor there. Jeff Simons. What do you have for 1987?
0: So yeah, 87. Um, so we talked about this this song before in a different context, but um, uh, well, I'll start talking while I turn it on because it has it has a build up. You know, some artists have you know they have a sound and you can identify them right away. This is one of those artists where the streets have no name by U2. Some so- artists have a song that is so singular and encapsulates everything the band does well that you can really point to a tune and this let's is go that song for this let's artist. go this is the I think this is the best first three songs of a record in yep. rock and roll ever like we had You're that right. conversation about the cars but this one into the next one into the next one is the strongest beginning to a record I think still I've ever heard and I have listened to this song I don't know a thousand times I can't even count how many times I've listened to this song. And right now my pulse rate is increasing and the hairs in the back of my neck are starting to stand up and I'm anticipating this singular guitar figure that doesn't sound like anybody else. And then it's gonna, gonna rise up and I'm gonna get to the top of the hill and the song's gonna take an extra forty-five seconds to come to a stop. I just I find this song inexhaustibly excellent, even though this band has done a bunch of very low-quality stuff in the most recent memory, almost to the point where I've a but this song is one chord, basically. There's a couple of D minors and A's, but it's just a, it's just a spectacular arrangement. It sound is fantastic. I thought the art of the recover. And I saw this form at JFK Stadium in 1987 after five days of college with 110,000 people. And Bono steps to the mic and sings, and 125,000 people sing at the end of that show. They played 40. It ends with Bono singing, How long to sing this song? And the band left the stage. Turn the house lights on, and I'm not. I'm not exaggerating. Oh, dude, I was there. You're telling yeah. the truth. Yeah. Minutes, people kept singing it. They sang it as they left the yeah. stadium, as they went out into the parking lot. I've never car. been part of a yeah. crowd that coalesced until I went to Bonnaroo with Ben. I'd never been part right. of a crowd that came together and became something like that night. And in 1987, you two. Whatever night they played, they were the best band on earth. And they, and they created right. community out of 20,000 strangers just with the sheer power of wanting to create community. That is my pick. i It's uh-huh. probably in my all-time top 10 songs. I can't believe, after all these years, how much I still love it. It's
2: so,
1: it's so great.
2: Great. You, Lovely. Yeah, that Eden. song is
1: amazing. Um, did, you, you, you went and saw them on the recent tour, right? I did. Still great. Still, Still great. great. Like that record's great. Yeah, really, yeah, that's really the good. one they
0: played it all the way straight through and and uh, you know what's
1: coming and it's not boring at all. And This was a classic record for me. So my favorite um, U2 song all the way in this era was Sunday Bloody Sunday. And they released With It Without You and I was like soft out, hard out on what? this band. Dude, oh, because no. I was like, I'm, I'm not interested in this. This is an actual thing uh, that I said in 1987. I was oh, like, no. Bullet to Blue Sky is okay, but the rest of the record not so much. So that was my wow. actual take on this <laughs> record, and I told you I was a big GNR guy, so you could get where I was. Coming. Oh okay, okay. Um, but dude, it just wore me down. This record wore me down. Uh, in the, at the Haverford, um, in the basement, they had the pool room and the video games and the pinball. And I hung out down there all the time. They had jukebox. And this was just on the jukebox every time I went down. And every time I went, I liked it more. And uh, that show was amazing. And yeah, they completely won me over.
0: Yeah, and actually I can see like, if you like, cause I thought, I never thought they'd top war for me. Like that right? war record, yeah. New Year's Day, e- uh, even equal to Sunny Bloody Sunday. I loved that war record. And when Unforgettable Fire came out, I was like, this is a little muddy. I, it doesn't have the drums that war had what the hell's going on on side two where he's like making up lyrics and they kept it. So I wasn't (laughs) prepared to fall hard for Joshua tree. And, and frankly, like, do you remember how much it was hyped before it came out? Like,
2: yeah, yeah. It was, it was time for them to take over. Record
0: stores for like months before it came out. So I was ready to take, to have Ben's take. I was prepared to not fall for it. And I just, I mean, my fourth listen, I was like, I can't believe how good this record is. Well, listen,
2: yeah. both of you kind of talked about becoming um, disillusioned with the police as the police made their big push for superstardom, and you two is kind of on the same tra- trajectory. Like they've got the buzz, they've got a lot of respect, and yet their their push for superstardom was also filled with terrific music.
0: Yeah, I mean. Although, right so, along, t- that one hum annoys me like that the live record that comes yeah out, that's the next one yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> they start to pitch me off pretty quick um <laughs> but i i just one of those examples of like they wanted to be the biggest band in the world and they had the goods i mean they're like you know no, i don't no, no, do and also the
1: thing that's likable about this record um in comparison to the police record and i don't mean to bury the police again but this record sounded like nothing else yeah. that came out that year that's right. And if you want to be like if you want to be inauthentically yeah. be the biggest band in the world, you try and sound, they could have been like, oh, we should put out a Springsteen record. They like the Irish Springsteen record was sitting on the shelf for them to put out. Right. But that's not what they did. Dude, they kept like they were on a journey. And this is part like the rattle and home is sadly part of this journey. But through this <laughs> part of the journey, they were like every record was different and they were working on stuff. And this record, they took a massive gargantuan huge leap forward, and it was a leap into a chasm. They didn't know where they were gonna land. You know what I mean? Yeah. This didn't sound like their previous work. It was weird, it was out there, and yet it was outstanding. It was great.
2: My, my it was, great memory.
1: They, they, they were still funny. Like, I remember that
0: Rolling Stone did a big cover story about it, and they were like, you know, they took all those photographs of the Joshua Tree in Joshua Tree National Forest, and like, did you guys remember which tree is on the cover? And they were like, we very deliberately did not remember because we were afraid we'd tell somebody and then some jackass would show up with it at a gig, like, look, I got the tree. (laughs) I just thought that was such a great moment of self-realization. Like we are myth-making, but we're also taking the piss at the same time. Like he wasn't hanging out with Václav Havel in Prague yet. You know, like.
2: Yeah, Yeah. so uh, my buddy Jay, Jeff would, um, whenever I still haven't found what I'm looking for, would come on, you know, driving around or at a party jay would be like you know what this song's about like what bono lost his keys <laughs> and that was just jay's go-to joke for all of 1987 he loved that joke
0: <laughs> did he then turn paulie walnut style to the next
2: person and tell it again did you hear? What oh I yeah I said? oh did my I... god have you met jay coughlin <laughs> i've never seen you know he will beat that joke into the ground God, <laughs> ten
0: minutes into meeting Jay Coughlin, I was like, "I'm not, I'm no match for this guy." Like, you were writing letters to the Whit, Bud Light like, company. That guy is I believe. Just like, yeah.
2: <laughs> hey, uh, all right, well, you guys did great. Oh, gosh, hard to argue with either. Uh, I'm going out on a on a treacherous limb here. All right, <clears throat> gentlemen, we have been together now for 18 podcasts. 18 podcasts. That's a lot of podcasts. I know we're not even halfway there, but still, 18 podcasts is a lot. I would like one of you to guess how many listens we have at this point.
0: 1,300.
2: 1,600. pretty Good. Pretty good. Okay. Ben Barton, how many countries – have we reached with our little podcast
1: 22 36 no countries. way! isn't <laughs> that amazing that really is amazing
2: 36 countries have said you know what i want to know what these 50 year old white guys have to say i don't know. <laughs> again we perhaps we should rethink that uh that whole uh Title, but anyways, I think that's pretty impressive for three months worth uh, uh, of you guys going down this path and 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 pursuing this with me. I think it's been awesome, so much fun. It's given me uh, such quitting? joy. This feels
0: like a, a yeah, like you oh, quitting,
2: and and that's why I have to. No, I'm not quitting. <laughs> I am saying I am going to bring us to a new country with my pick for 1987. That's mm-hmm. right. I'm the diversity person. I brought us to Canada right away. I brought up Australia with ACDC. Thank you very much. I've gone country. I've gone soul, which neither of you cared for my soul. Um, That was not soul, by the way. (laughs) And now, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to go to one of the greatest artists of the late 20th century a young woman named Bjork and we're gonna go to Iceland and we're gonna get some listens in Iceland thanks to this song birthday
1: birthday by the sugar cubes
2: confession i was listening to george michael in 1987 i was not listening to the sugar cubes it wasn't until the 90s where i i, I found Bjork. um no one sounds like her is that true
0: uh <laughs> yeah i guess that's right i'm trying to think of those other like i mean there's definitely some experimental vocalists i'm trying i can't think of one that is a direct antecedent. Direct. Susie
2: and the Banshees,
0: maybe? Yoko yeah, Ono. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> a little bit. You guys don't like my pick? Oh, I like it. It's fine. I like Birthday. I, I, I It's a super hipster <laughs> pick because it, it, it only came out in 1987 as a single in Iceland. And well, it right. Didn't
2: released,
0: it didn't get released in America until 88. So, but again, it got, it, it got the,
2: play in the UK in 1987. Okay. I mean it wasn't
0: available to purchase on like in plan- on planet Earth until nineteen eighty eight, but
1: okay. Well I, no by the way, Tim, don't don't listen to this guy with his rules. Don't really? let him pin you it's in. Not okay? even my he podcast. probably he probably also only likes music with noticeable tones that aren't atonal, like this. So you just shouldn't right. listen to him at all. Wait like, a as minute. As long <laughs> as you're gonna choose Bjork, go ahead and steer into the whole experience.
2: Yeah. So, have you ever seen the Saturday Night Live performance of of this particular song? Oh, it's great! It's I saw the o- Sugar
0: Cubes live.
2: Did I you saw really?
0: I, okay, ready for this triple bill? Yeah. You two, Public Enemy, the Sugar Cubes. Oh come on! When was this night? The Octune Baby Tour, nineteen ninety one. That's an outstanding lineup. No, they Sugar Cubes <laughs> were horrible. They were, and I mean. I'm right. I was there to have a good time and enjoy myself. And I'm wondering blur. if
2: the Sugar Cubes Horrible. would have a hard time in a stadium. And you are correct that they yeah. had a
0: really difficult time.
2: That's not their. That's not their jam.
0: Um, okay, so I want to push back. Did you pick "Birthday" because it was the, it's your favorite Sugar Cube song, or did you pick it because you knew it was like the one that most people would know?
2: Oh no, it's my favorite Sugar Cube song. Okay. Do you got another one for me?
0: I like Motor Crash better. I like Motocrash. I think that one's fun.
2: All right. That's all uh, right. What's your favorite Bjork song?
0: Oh, uh, the one uh, human behavior for sure, which has the I love that noise in that sound.
2: Big 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 time sensuality.
0: Oh, I love human behavior. I could listen to that for I could listen to a six hour remix of human behavior. I love that song.
1: All right. Ben Barton, do your daughters know about Bjork? No. Like, I don't really care for Bjork, just to be frank. That, like, she's one, like, uh, one thing I'll say is that, hopefully this has been clear, I've tried to be more open-minded in the fullness of my adulthood. And I recognize, like, for for example, the U2 thing is a perfect example of this. Like, I was being a dick. U2 was right and I was wrong. And I was like, I'm just being, I'm just taking the counterpoint just to have the counterpoint. So I have been open-minded to things, but I don't like Bjork. I don't like her thing. That entire level of art rock where it's like, she's like wailing and the guitars are playing things that are, uh, you know, discordant. I'm just not interested. My favorite thing about
0: birthdays there's the sound of an of like a bagpipe losing air that. I
2: love
0: love (laughs) that. That's like a sample in this. I do Do appreciate. Do you know
2: how they
1: make that sound? Like thought it was a guitar. That's not a guitar.
2: It is not. What the hell it is? So it is. It (laughs) sounded like
1: they were playing (laughs) slide guitar off key. That was what I thought the instrument was.
2: It is a dude with his own hand stuck into his trumpet
1: oh and he's playing the the last
0: word of that (laughs) sentence was trumpet
1: (laughs) oh and also dude hand there are other options (laughs) (laughs) all right well
0: that's a joke i would have loved in 1987 that was good
2: i think we've reached the end of another podcast. Well,
0: here's the thing: Look, you can't be you, you. have a hipster pick here. The Sugar Cubes are a are a hipster band. Picking Bjork. I mean, Bjork has a huge '90s and 2000 following. Like, oh, this is uh, not this is not a pick where like this is not Gordon Lightfoot. This is just you bumped up against uh, Ben. do
2: No, 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 no. Don't don't worry about me, Jeff Simons. I am secure in who I am, and I am secure in my picks. Perhaps you sir should look in the not for this year you, you did great this year uh well, you,
0: yeah last week you picked yeah, the best ben what anyway. ben
2: what was his what was his uh, worst pick so far jeff simons
0: oh oh probably last week
1: you hated in your eyes like oh yeah good call. Good although call. you know honestly like um the more i thought about it i wasn't crazy about left of the dial Oh, really? I asked my brother about it, and I was like, I, it's not even one of my 10 favorite replacement songs. You're kidding me. I'm totally serious. Wow. I'm I
0: mean, shocked.
1: my brother was, just, I was like, I was like, Jeff chose left to the dial, and he's like, not Alex Chilton? I mean, he and I were just completely simpatico on that. Oh, uh, this is, Alex this second, is,
0: I mean,
2: can't hardly wait, and Alex Chilton are like second and third. 18 pods in, listeners, and you're starting to see <laughs> people fray. At the edges. And start By the to go way after each other. Uh nineteen
1: eighty eight. I'm gonna call it right now. Uh-huh. Jeff and I are gonna choose the same album if not the same song. It's yeah, no long. question. I will have a I'll have a, a back up because you get you you No uh, no no I went first this no. time, so you go first.
2: Yeah. Well there's no question that we're gonna do that. Okay. Wait, what's the album so I can start listening to it? Say it on three. Ready? One,
1: two. No no, three. we're not gonna say it. We ah, gotta wait, you gotta wait. <laughs> That I'll was very I'll, have a, I'll have a B I'll have a B pick because No ben, Dude, you go first. I went first this time. I'll let you Yeah, a B but B it's your no 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 no, no. like I'm I, definitely and I, all I get my Guns and Roses chance. It'll be a dream come true. He, uh, I'll choose patience. <laughs> oh my god. A <laughs> <laughs>
2: Little <laughs> patience.
1: That's uh, the song where
0: you need patience. That song goes on
2: for like a month. All right. I'm all right, my brothers. Well done. Tonight. That was great.
0: Thanks, guys. I just need trying
2: to get it right hard to see with so many around peace thanks for listening to 50 years of music with 50 year old white guys if you like what you hear leave us a good review on iTunes we'd really appreciate it and come visit us on our Facebook page where you can weigh in on who actually had the best song of the year. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions, ladies and gentlemen. You've tuned into a beautiful, different type of show. I'm Sarah B, and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA.
1: I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics, and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels
0: my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah
2: underscore
0: L-A. Hey there, fabulous
2: souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan, And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are